0: Now, just for a little while this morning, because uh, as part of our worship service, uh, we always uh, like to open the Bible, and I preach from the Bible for a little while, and uh, I'll do that today as well, Uh, uh, and I hope you don't mind me doing that. Um, We believe uh, that it's a living word, that it's not a dead and dry and dusty and boring book. It's a living word of God, and uh, I want just, the, the theme, I guess, of the sermon is why Uh, ...or what is baptism all about? And that's uh, what I want to speak about for a little while. And uh, I hope that that's obviously relevant uh, today... ...as uh, we baptise Clements and James uh, in a little while. And it's really great uh, to see everyone here. Uh, It's tremendous to see so many friends of the families... ...whose uh, babies are being baptised today. It's great. And it's great that we have two babies being baptised. We don't have that very often. But we've only got two sets of grandparents... That 's great, uh, work that one out okay there 's lots of yeah there 's lots of things going on there, uh, and it 's great, but this is the free church, and uh, it 's uh, a bargain church, two for the price of one uh, we like to do things here. that bog off deal, you know, baptize one, get one free um, and uh, so that 's what we 're doing uh, today we 're having two baptisms and but they 're of course hugely. Uh, Valued and rich and expensive, there's nothing free about them. No. Wonderful, uh, but it is great because we have the opportunity today, and uh, we would love to do this just to point people to uh, Jesus Christ and to uh, His gospel. If you're new here today, um, if you're just unsure about what's going on, well, what on earth's happening, if you think it's all a bit weird. Uh, or completely different to anything you've experienced before, and you may maybe even asking, well, what is baptism all about, and why would we bother doing that? It seems such a strange uh, ritual to be engaged in. I'd just like to explain a little bit of why we do what we do, and why it's real and important and significant and meaningful to us. And I want to go, uh, first of all, really back to basics. It's two-for-one thing, again, it's supermarket deals. Uh, you know, the supermarkets always used to have these... I don't know if they still do them. I don't do the shopping very often these days. Sad admission. Uh, but, you know, you get back to basics deals, or two-for-one deals, and uh, where, you know, the, everything was stripped back. And it was just the basic reality that you got... Uh, there wasn't any fancy packaging. There's not going to be any fancy fancy packaging today in the sermon, but just really uh, look at the basics of uh, what baptism is about, because there's lots, you know, lots of different churches, and there's lots of different ideas about different things, different aspects to baptism, different bits of baptism, and who should be baptized, and when should be baptized, and and what the significance of baptism is, but there's a, a really basic significance for everyone Uh, In the Christian church with regard to baptism. And really, is that baptism is a badge of association with Jesus of Nazareth. That's what it is. Uh, When we are baptized, we are associating in a very close and intimate way with the teaching, with the person, with the life, with the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that becomes hugely that has become hugely significant to people who are baptized and every reference to baptism in the new testament will link it with this person with Jesus so you get you know in acts 2 uh, 38 repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ galatians 3 baptism has been clothed with Christ acts 16 those who believed in the lord jesus were baptized uh, 1 peter 3 be baptized through the resurrection of jesus so jesus is really central to uh, our understanding of uh, Jesus Christ. So anyone who's been baptized has come to that place where they have come to believe that they are more than simply just a random collection of atoms that have come together and that live for a little while and then one day cease to exist. Um, People who have chased a sense of God Uh, Inside their lives, and and questioned this need for purpose in their existence, and looked at morality, and looked at justice, and beauty, and creativity, and love, and relationships, and who have questioned evil, and and badness, and pride, and division, and death, and uh, have been perplexed sometimes by a sense of their own guilt and uh, questioning. As to why they are here and what it is about. And who have found their answer in Jesus Christ. And found their answer in his claims, in his teaching, in his death, in his resurrection. And have found that his teaching about us as people being made in the image of God. And, uh, but that image being broken in the relationship because of sin being separated. Uh, something that resonates and strikes home as true. And there are a lot of people that you know say, "Well, you know, you're bonkers because you believe in that, and uh, you're mad because you can't see him, and you, you know, this is just a, you know, a glorified Santa Claus or uh, figment of the imagination or Disney character for weak-minded and weak-willed people, and uh, you can't see God, so you can't know him." And for us, what we have found to be true is that. Uh, Jesus claims to be and reveals himself to be God in the flesh so that he has revealed himself very clearly uh, and become like us uh, in order that we can know him and uh, in order that we can understand him. And he came not just to kind of be like a movie picture for us, but he came uh, to be a substitute for us, to be an example, but a substitute, to be the kind of person, the human person, that we couldn't be, and yet take the, the the just sentence of separation from God and death that we all face because of a rebellion against God, and He paid the price, and rose victorious uh, over the grave to show that any who trust in Him also has the price paid, and their sins forgiven, and uh, can live with Him. And that is uh, kind of very briefly in a nutshell. Uh, the back to basics but that we realize we come uh, as people uh, to recognize and see uh, who Jesus Christ is and how much he's made sense of the good and of the evil and of the purpose and of the longing and belonging that we're looking for and uh, baptism is very much that symbol of association with this Jesus, this person, and uh, what he has come to do, as we see uh, in this chapter, with uh, the testimony, the, the witness of Paul, and what he speaks about, um, and it's our symbol of association with him. So I just want to say a couple of things about that. One is that it's because of that; it's for us, it's life-changing, and the other thing is is that it's life-defining. So, for believers. Uh, Uh, that's the bell if someone wants to get that I think that will be going quite a lot during the service Um, so it's life changing and it's life defining Okay, so for the Christian uh, uh, and the message of the gospel for us isn't kind of um, uh, incidental it's not just by the way it's not just a a kind of uh, icing on the cake so, just a little bit extra for us. It's, it's life changing and life forming and life defining. And that's uh, hugely significant. And it's one of the reasons we like to share that message. Life changing. And here in the passage uh, that Richard read for us is the, the, the story of Paul, who was also known as Saul. Uh, uh, Saul, who became Paul, changed his name when he became a Christian, and whose life was dramatically changed on the road to Damascus. So a lot of us will have heard that expression, uh, that you might have had a road road to Damascus experience. Sometimes it's related to becoming a Christian, sometimes people use it just in a wider context, when something really big and important or dramatic, had a road road to Damascus experience. So anyway, that's the story that he's telling here. And uh, it's really about the change that happened in his life. And this chapter and some other chapters earlier on in Acts tell us about that change, Because Paul was someone, or Saul, whatever you want to call him, he what was he before he was a Christian? Well, he was a real academic. He was a clever bloke. Uh, He was a zealot. He was passionate. He was keen. Uh, He was a religious zealot. He was a a god-feeder. He he was part of uh, the Pharisees, which were a a religiously extreme and committed uh, sect of the Jews. He was upright. Morally, good, and he was proud, and he was proud of what he achieved, and he was proud of what he'd done. And he was, a, interestingly, it talks about him being a Jew, which is that's fine, isn't it? But he was also a citizen of Rome, and that was very unusual. It was really unusual for a Jewish person person to be a citizen of Rome. Now, um, I wonder if there was a sweepstick going in the church to see if I would mention America in this service, because I've just come back from America. Well, I'm going to. Uh, on the plane back from America, <laughs> uh, I watched Pompey. Okay, It's a film that's in the pictures here, but if you fly with uh, Aer Lingus, you get the most up-to-date films. And uh, we, I was watching Pompey. And what was interesting about that film was, well, there was lots of things. There was lots of pretty awful things, to be honest, about the film as well. But it was great... Uh, Uh, great kind of digital effects in the film. But what was interesting is that one character, well, various characters, but it was all about, you know, Roman citizenship and the the kind of the spread of the Roman Empire. And what was really interesting was just how you could see, and I'm not sure how historically accurate these Hollywood blockbusters are, but how um, privileged and how powerful Roman citizens were, you know, wherever they went in the world. And, you know, we see it later in this story, that Paul uh, uses his Roman citizenship uh, to, in, in effect to get better treatment for because he's getting beaten up because he's, he's passing on the message of the gospel. And uh, it was a real position of privilege and honor to be a Roman citizen. So he, he had all these things going for him. And he was passionately anti-Christian. He hated Christians. His life work was to root out this young uh, Christian movement that was beginning and beat up the leaders and destroy this fledgling work because it was standing against uh, what he believed to be the truth. And 15 chapters earlier, although it's mentioned here, uh, we're told that Paul was the guy who was sitting watching over the, the murder of Stephen, who was the first Christian Martyr, and, and Paul uh, sat there giving his approval to that. And the, we're told that the, the clothes of Stephen were laid at the feet of a young man called Saul. So he was, you know, powerful. He had authority. He was, he was a, a, an anti-Christian uh, zealot who really wanted to destroy the Christian faith. So not your typical kind of uh, food for conversion, Really? And yet, here we are with his story, uh, this road to Damascus story, where we're told that uh, he uh, meets with the risen Savior. It's Jesus Christ, who died, third day, rose again, and ascended to heaven. He meets specifically here with Jesus. About noon, I came near Damascus. Suddenly, a bright light from heaven flashed. I fell to the ground and heard a voice. So, so why do you persecute me? Not my people. Why do you persecute me? And... Uh, Saul says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. So he meets Jesus. And kind of in that instant, we've got Paul or Saul. I never quite know what to call him here. Has he changed to Paul? Is he still Saul? But Paul, as he looks back, saying, he thought he was right. He thought he was good. He thought Christ was for losers. And then all of a sudden, he meets with Christ, and he realizes He's on the Damascus road, but he's on the wrong road. He's in the wrong corner, and uh, he's with the wrong team. And he's using his energies, and he's using his, his uh, gifts, and he's using his talents in the wrong way, completely, absolutely upside down. And the majesty of this risen Savior, that's kind of inexplicable to us, certainly, isn't it? Um, I'm completely arrests him in that moment, stops him, literally stops him in his tracks. And uh, there's this great paradoxical irony uh, in the story, isn't it, that he's blinded by the light, famous song, blinded by the light in that moment, but never in reality has it seen so clearly. So he's blinded physically by what he's seen, but for the first time he's seeing clearly And so Paul comes from being a terrorist uh, to being a church planter uh, with the gospel of love of Jesus Christ. There's a huge change, huge change in his heart, huge change in his attitude and his hatred and the bitterness and the anger and the pride and the envy and all these things that have really motivated him and driven him get turned on their head and he knows in an instant that he's been forgiven and uh, he's been accepted and that he has got a calling to do. And so God says to him, uh, you know, go and, uh, well, God doesn't say them at that point. But later on, An- Ananias, as a representative of the church, says to him, go, get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling in his name. Now that, okay, for most of us here, uh, maybe for one or two, but for most of us, the, the change hasn't been, at least outwardly, quite so dramatic, but for Tom and Charlene and Ross and Annie and for the Christians here, the same reality is true, is that we've been changed dramatically uh, from the inside out uh, by meeting with and knowing, coming to know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And we have that same purpose. We have to get up, we've got things to do, we have been baptized Because we want to have this badge of association with uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, it is, uh, we are people who call on his name. And that's tremendous. We have come to recognize that greater love has no one than this. Than that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what uh, the Bible says is the motivation and the desire of Jesus. We've been made clean. We've been forgiven been given life, we've been given hope, and not just by some kind of random punter uh, in figment of our own imagination, but by this great historical character, Jesus Christ, who's not only a historical character, who uniquely, uniquely in all world religion, in everything, uh, has uh, claimed not only to have died uh, for a purpose and died deliberately and died radically, but raised again and is, is alive, this judge of all the earth, the one in whose image we've been made, and the one uh, to whom we give account is the one who goes into the dock himself and pays the price and sets us free so that death doesn't have a hold on us as we trust in him. And that's, that's what's on offer uh, in the gospel. That's what's on offer from uh, Jesus Christ. And it, for us, it's become the big issue, hasn't it? It's become the most important thing. It's an important time in Scotland just now a lot of big decisions to be made towards September. Big issues, important things, whichever way you vote. You know, there's, and sometimes we have big issues in our lives, in our jobs, in our families, our careers. Whatever we do, there's lots of issues. But for us, this is the biggest issue, that he offers a heart change. And uh, he offers uh, us acceptance and belonging and belief in him. It's a great gift. And he says, I'm the way. The truth in the life nobody comes to the father except by me so it's an important message and Jesus Christ is really important to consider and think about so it's life-changing and just very briefly before we move on uh, to the baptism uh, it's also life-defining so I'm kind of moving away a little bit from Paul here because you might say oh, that's okay for Paul he's a Damascus Road experience and it's okay for Tom and Charlene and Ross and Annie and Eric and other people here. That's fine. They're grown up. But what? What is all this? It's going to be babies today who are going to be baptised. They can't have had a Damascus Road experience. It's ridiculous. Um, why? Why are babies being baptised? We can understand grown ups uh, who become Christians, getting up, being baptised, wash your sins away, and calling the name of God. But babies? What's that about? Well, I think the Bible meets. Clear throughout, it's right from almost from the beginning that becoming or becoming a believer and trusting God is never just about the individual. Never just about the one person. Always has. It's like throwing a stone into water. It always has ripples. It always has wider effects and wider impact and wider influence. And God has always chosen to bless not just individuals but also work through families in a covenant relationship with them. And uh, when he made this great promise of grace right at the be- almost, almost at the beginning of the Old Testament with Abram, this promise of grace was to him and to his children. And there was to be a mark of the covenant, a, a badge of, of belonging that they were to engage in circumcision. And so in the New Testament, that was uh, reiterated on the day of Pentecost with a gospel message. And it was a gospel message that was uh, to go out to people uh, to those who believed and to their children. And uh, there's one or two instances of baptism in the New Testament. People, apart from uh, Paul here, who was kind of on his own, but you've got examples of Lydia uh, who believed and the Philippian jailer who believed. And they believed individually, but were also told that then immediately their whole households were baptized. It seemed to be a carry on of this Old Testament uh, focus on the sign and the seal being not just for the individual believer but for their children. This covenant sign uh, is for parents but it's also parents with with faith in Jesus Christ but also for their children. That means a couple of things. It means privilege and it means responsibility. It means privilege. Um, The core reality for the mums and dads here today as their kids grow up is that... uh, their faith will be examined most and will be exposed most in a home context. Yeah, we can all be anything in church, can't we? We could just put on a suit and look good on the outside. And we can people ask us, Yeah, everything's fine, things good. We look at, nudge the person next to us and we all share the same faith and we think everything is going well. But it's what we're like in the home. That's what we're really like, isn't it? That's where the mirror kind of exposes what we're like, what we're really like and, and how we really live. And so kids will be the first ones always to expose whether what you have and what you believe and how you live is genuine. And so very much that... I guess I'm speaking here a bit more to the parents that it's a great responsibility to be genuine and to be real. It doesn't mean to be perfect, far from it. It's saying that, yeah, we make mistakes and we screw up, but we go to God and we ask for forgiveness and we we seek to live by grace. Um, But baptism for their children is a sign to the children that they themselves are set apart to be brought up in that atmosphere, in that home, and so that the foundation of their lives, their worldview, their morality, their behavior, their teaching is Christ-centered because they're set apart and because uh, their parents have faith in Jesus Christ. So an, there ought to be, we look for in our lives, in our families, in our homes, an atmosphere of grace, uh, of forgiveness and of sacrificial love. And that's a great blessing. That's a great privilege for children to have that. They will, I'm sure, and we, we seek to, uh, for all of our children, show them as well the way of the cross. We're not afraid to do that. We're not afraid to show them and speak about very real things to them. We will show them what we believe to be and what Jesus claims to be, the truth, because we believe that truth will set them free. Children of promise with which, uh, baptism is a sign, and God is faithful to work through families and to work through children. And so it's a symbol, very much a sign of belonging for the whole wider family, and uh, that's hugely significant. And it's also a, a, a privilege because in baptism it's a public service, it's part of the church, and so the children are kind of embraced in it. The wider family of the church. And so today, when we take the vows in a few minutes, uh, I ask Tom and Charlene and Ross and Annie to take vows, but I also turn to the congregation. And the congregation take a vow to pray for and to love the children who will be brought up within the Christian church here. And that's a great privilege to be part of not just their own nuclear family, as it were, but part of the wider family. But it's also a responsibility Baptism isn't a kind of magic formula for the children, so we don't just get the way done, and that's all right. Everything's fine, and uh, we move on. It doesn't bestow sal- salvation in any kind of mystical way uh, to any child. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a setting apart, but the, ch- the children come to the place where they accept Jesus for themselves. He's been laid before you in your parents' lives and in your teaching and in your upbringing and in the worship that you receive. And Christ will uh, be the one who accepts you uh, when you confirm your need for him and come to faith in him as well. To set him apart in your hearts, not just in your lives. So it's life changing and it's life defining. Either way, baptism points to the centrality and the importance of Jesus Christ. He is the life changer. And uh, I hope you enjoy your uh, remaining time with us and you enjoy the baptism, um, which will be very shortly. And if you have never heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ before, uh, I do invite you to consider him very seriously. Consider his claims which are unchanging. And uh, because humanity is unchanging and our needs are unchanging, the frailty of our life is unchanging, our future uh, imminent departure is unchanging, uh, is something very real to us and our hearts are unchanging and we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has transformed our lives as believers and we we deeply and uh, meaningfully want to share him with other people also because we believe he will turn your life upside down for good. Be a challenge, but absolutely for good and for eternity. So may God bless uh, our few thoughts on uh, that today. I'm just going to pray briefly, so we we'll bow our heads and uh, let's pray. Lord God, we ask and pray that you would bless your word to us. Uh, we thank you. For that living Word of God from the Bible, we thank you for the testimony of Paul that is given in this passage in Acts, and that uh, he, in being changed uh, uh, had purpose and uh, fulfilled uh, that request, that command indeed to be baptized, to have that badge of belonging of ownership and uh, to call on the name of God. And we know how costly it was for him, how everything that he had held on to as dear, as important, as significance, including his own goodness and his own religiosity and his own understanding of things, that he just counted them as rubbish when he understood the love and the grace and the freedom and the acceptance of this love of God, which was absolutely complete. And uh, we pray that uh, we would live that and share that in our own lives and that it would be significant to others here today. So bless us as we also move into the baptism and may it be uh, something that we will remember and something that will be good for us to consider. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.